630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. It's three losses in a row for the Edmonton Oilers. They'll try to snap it tomorrow against the Boston Bruins. Boston taking on the Vancouver Canucks tonight. Also in the NHL this evening, Flyers and Devils scoreless early in the second period. Rangers leading the Avalanche 2-1 early in the second period. Jacob Truba has scored in that game for the Rangers. And the Stars and the Golden Knights will face off a little bit later on. Now, of course, Jacob Truba was the one who delivered that Big, scary hit last night on Jujar Kara of the Chicago Blackhawks. Kara has been released from hospital after being taken off on a stretcher last night. The physician for the Blackhawks, Dr. Michael Terry, saying this, despite the significant injury, his prognosis is excellent and we expect a full recovery. At this point, it is too early to put a timeline on return to play. That was... Uh, if you've watched the video, and, and, and if you haven't, uh, I, I warn you, it is it is tough to see uh, Truba stepping into Kara, who uh, had his head down searching for the puck in his feet. And you could tell Kara was knocked out as soon as the hit happened, and then he fell straight backwards, his head hitting the ice really hard on the play. So uh, we know that Jujar Kara, when he played for the Edmonton Oilers, had some concussion issues here. And uh, hopefully he's going to be uh, okay. Good, good that he's uh, out of the hospital. Obviously, they don't know when he's going to play again, but uh, hopefully he gets back on the ice and is feeling good pretty soon. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Of course, the Oilers and Bruins on this station tomorrow. It's going to be a 530 face-off show game at 7. And then another tough test for Edmonton on Saturday night when they take on the Carolina Hurricanes. The Hurricanes visit Calgary tomorrow. The Flames leading the uh, Pacific Division, they have lost their last two. The Oilers have lost the last three. Anaheim sandwiched in between the two Alberta teams in second in the Pacific, though when it comes down to uh, points percentages, it is, it is Calgary and Edmonton 1-2. Could be a fun race between the Alberta teams. Of course, we'd love to see them going at it in the playoffs. All right, so of course, uh, the Oilers have dropped three in a row last night against Minnesota. Certainly played with more energy than they did on Sunday against the Los Angeles Kings. Cam, Cam Talbot, really good night in net for the Wilds. The Edmonton special teams unable to come through, and it adds up to another loss. So here we go. The Oilers are 16-8, and eight, still a good record. But, this, I mean, this homestand is tough, and I was talking about the other night. This, this could be a tough month for the Oilers, some really good teams. And then before and after Christmas, they get into extended travel with the World Juniors taking over Rogers' place. So, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a good test for Edmonton. I think we're going to learn more about the team, which I think is fine, by the way, because if Ken Holland is going to make a big move going into the trade deadline, you need as much information as possible. But we're coming up to a third of the way through the year now, and I think we are getting some information on the team, and especially lately with the losses and then before that with some games maybe they won that they shouldn't have won. So I want to look at four areas of the Oilers here. And uh, we're going to we're gonna all put them in categories. Is this a blip or is this an ongoing concern? Blip or ongoing concern? It is not a game show. You can't win a canned ham or anything like that, though we got some lying around that I would love to give away. But anyway, blip or ongoing concern for the Edmonton Oilers. I'm going to start with the power play, which is one for 16 in its last five games. Despite that slump, Despite that slump, one for 16 in the last five, the Oilers' power play for the season is still 32%. And you've heard me talk about it. I thought the Oilers could get to 30% last year. 
They didn't make it. I made a similar prediction for this year that they could go 30% for the season. So uh, really a, a huge dry spell here for the power play, yet they're still over 30% for the year. An indication of how good they were uh, basically for what, for what the first uh, 19 games of the season. Minnesota did a good job last night. Edmonton didn't convert a couple of chances. Clearly, that's going to be a big focus of any op- opponent. First of all, not taking penalties. Minnesota did wasn't able to do that. They took five of them. But not taking penalties for most teams. And then how are you going to stop it? Like, I think Minnesota was able to... Uh, take away some of the Oilers cross-size passes, but I think the Oilers are strong enough and talented enough on the man advantage that they're going to be able to figure it out and they're going to get their goals. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we start to see Evan Bouchard more in the man advantage as the season moves along. And I want to remind you of this as well, that last season, the abbreviated 56-game campaign that started in January, the Oilers' power play started quite poorly. First seven games, it was only three for 26 and we were talking about a lot. Oh, no, what's going to happen? Is Tyson Berry going to fit in? Why are they in this funk? And then it took off from there. But but even after that, there were other little dry spells. They had a four-game stretch between games 12 and 15. They just went one for 12, so similar to what's happening right now. Between games 33 and 37 last year, that's a five-game stretch. They didn't have a lot of chances, but they went 0 for 9. So they had five power play, uh, five games last season without even a power play goal. So I think that's a blip. I still think the power play, I mean, they're going to have bursts. I I think there's going to be poor penalty killing teams that they'll eat up, or sometimes those skilled players are just going to have a big night. So I, I realize that that was a big reason why the Oilers lost last night. It hasn't been as productive lately. I have trouble seeing this as an ongoing concern throughout the year that the Oilers power play is all of a sudden going to become a mediocre or bad one. So I'm going to put that as a blip. More serious concern here, and uh, pardon me if you've heard me talking about this already for the last three or four years, but it's it's rearing its ugly head again, and that is the depth scoring and what is happening offensively from the third line. Fourth line, maybe I'll leave out of it a little bit. The fourth line players on the Oilers aren't going to play a ton. They have some players who are kind of specialists that can go out there and kill penalties if you look at Colton Sevier. When Derek Ryan's on the fourth line, players like that. But the hope was, okay, you got Warren Fogle. You know, is is he going to be able to produce? Is Ryan McLeod going to be on the team and uh, become a guy who can trip in with a little to chip in with a little bit of depth offense? Those were some of the questions and hopes we had going into the season. Well. So far, you got Fogle with two goals in 24 games. Now, what Zach Cassian said earlier in the season, he, he was asked about what should a depth player to try to do. You know, if you're on the third line, what do you want to try to do offensively? And he said, well, double-digit goals should be realistic. Being able to hit 10, 12, maybe sneak up to the mid-teams, th- that should be realistic to be a productive third liner. So Fogle with two goals, not on pace for 10. Uh, now, Cassian does have four goals in 20 games. So that is on pace for a double digit season. Um, you look at the plus minus though, Cassian's minus four Fogel's minus nine. You look at the Corsi. If you're in the advanced stats, Fogel is just on the happy side of 50%, 50.2. You got Cassian checking in on the unhappy side of it at 48.1%. And not just singling out those two guys. 
Uh, you know, again, I think with McLeod, we'll see. He has three goals in 16 games. Hasn't been here the whole year. He had that burst where he got three and five. I do think he's showing signs of improvement. Um, you know, there's there's a stat out there called expected goals. I don't know if any of you f- follow this. Uh, uh, you know, I... I guess I don't really look at any stat and say that's the be all and end all, but they all provide little snippets of information. So expected goals, you know, they can express it as how many goals you would get per 60 minutes or as a percentage. I'll tell you this though, regardless of what those numbers to turn out to be, there are a lot of depth forwards on the orders that when they're on the ice, I don't expect them to score. Now, maybe they do other things well, uh, but they're not bringing an offensive game. I, I mean, I think Colton Sevier has been fine as a penalty killer and as a grinder. He doesn't play a ton. He's playing about nine and a half minutes per game. Um, he hasn't scored. Derek Ryan scored early in the season, now has one goal in 21 games. Kyle Turris, when he plays, has one goal in 15 games. Devin Shore, who, to be fair, has been injured most of the time, one goal in nine games. So we're not seeing a lot from those uh, a lot from those players. And that continues to be an ongoing concern for the Oilers. And look, we got to state this. This is this is something Ken Holland has taken other swings at during his time here as general manager to find players in the bottom six, and, and he really hasn't found them. I mean, Turris, last season, experiments with uh, Thomas Yurcho, Riley Shane. Now, maybe Josh Archibald, okay, you know. Unfortunately, he's out with myocarditis. I, I guess you could say he was a pretty decent third liner that got some goals, but it continues to be something that plagues the Oilers. And as, and as Rob Brown has pointed out, and look, Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, has 23 points. He's one of the top assist guys in the league, um, but he has two goals. And as Rob has also said, you have Kadri Yamamoto who has, okay, five goals in 24 games. Maybe he's going to flirt with a 20-goal season, but he has six points. So even a couple of top six guys – as Rob made the point last night on overtime open line, often play on a line with Leon Dreisaitl, who's tied for the league lead in scoring, uh, yet one of them has six points and one of them has only scored twice. So, again, a little bit of a concern similar to the ones we've had in the past season. I still think the Oilers' top six is pretty good. And I, I think Hyman and Pugliarby have added something there that they haven't had in recent years. Once you get out of the top six, or maybe even out of the top five, uh, then you start scratching for offense a little more. And to me, that's not a blip. That's an ongoing concern for this season. I got a couple more I want to get to. Of course, I'm happy to hear from you as well. You can text 780-496-0063. That is also the phone number that connects you to the hotline powered by Certain Teed professional-grade building materials. Follow me on Twitter if you are so inclined, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And you can email insidesports at 630chat.com. Quick timeout. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Uh, the Oilers did not practice today. We do have a little bit of a note for you. Don't think going to be a huge surprise. That is, uh, Brendan Perlini has cleared waivers. He was placed on uh, waivers yesterday after uh, after Devin Shore was uh, activated. Perlini, who was the the man with the golden stick during the preseason, uh, unable to score so far. Maybe he's going to be back up at some point, but. Uh, 
he has been assigned to the Bakersfield Condors. So there we go. Just uh, some context here for the Oilers. And, you know, and I, I, I get it. I, I know there's now some nervous people that they've lost three in a row. Just for uh, a little bit of context here. So the Oilers' points percentage is is still obviously very good at 16 and 8. And it it's that's a 667 points percentage. Th- they're not going to stay up there for the entire season. I mean, that would be uh, an absolutely incredible points percentage. So to to get to 100 points, which would, would certainly put you in the playoffs, that's a points percentage of about 610. So, you know, if the Oilers play, you know, 600 hockey or even a little less the rest of the way, they're, they're probably going to get to 100 points and... Uh, and be in the playoffs last year just for now obviously they didn't finish last year so sorry they finished last year it was just a shorter season they had a 643 points percentage last year which if they would have played the entire 82 schedule would have been a 105 point pace so you know if if they can be uh around 600 the rest of the way probably even high 500s they're going to be fine i, I mean yes i i I, there are concerns about the team. We're discussing them for sure. Um, but as you know, that American Thanksgiving cutoff is usually pretty significant. And often if you're in a playoff spot by American Thanksgiving, usually 14 of the 16 teams that are in that spot wind up making it by by the end of the season. All right, 780-496-0063. We have just someone calling from Rhode Island. Kellen? He wanted just to pass along uh, well wishes to the Oilers because he hates oh, okay. the Bruins. <laughs> okay, he's just, and he hopes oh, that we hopes that we beat well, the Bruins tomorrow. All right, well there's uh, there's a message for. Sorry, I just got your text, Kellen. I thought he wanted to come on air. So Tony in Rhode Island, <laughs> listening in, hates the Boston Bruins and is uh, wishing the Oilers the best. That's tomorrow. right. That's a new one. I don't know if we've ever had someone call in from another country, not want to go on air, but just say that they hate the Oilers' opponent coming up. Well, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, speaking of the Bruins, here, here's something. Uh, here's some of my shame I got to share with you. Uh, one of my colleagues, Shay Gannam, huge Boston Bruins fan. And I have no idea why. I've never asked him. So I'm going to ask him later on on the show this evening. He's going to hop on. All right. Blip or ongoing concern? Power play. I think it's a blip. Depth scoring, lack of it. I think it's an ongoing concern. Uh, defensively. They've had some injuries. Nurse had been out. He's back. CeCe's still out. Maybe he's back soon. Keith, we don't know when he's going to come back. Cuckoo, probably uh, still going to miss a little bit of more time here. He's a depth guy. So that has meant either players coming up from the minors, like Broberg, like Demolainen, like Lagason, who has scratched the last couple of games, more responsibility for Russell, more responsibility for uh, Bouchard, even more responsibility for Barry, though some games he would play a lot anyway. Um, now, even when healthy, yes, do I think the Oilers have some concerns in their defense core? I do. Uh, do I think they have some trouble stopping the cycle at times? I do. But I also think they're going to be better when CeCe comes back. I, I think he's actually been quite steadier. He has exceeded my expectations. Duncan Keith, who we've talked about a lot. Look, he's not the Hall of Famer that he was in Chicago. Well, I mean, he will be a Hall of Famer. He's not at the peak of his Hall of Fame career like he was with Chicago. I think he's had some tough games, but I also think he's had some good games. He's probably going to help just because of his experience. And Cuckoo, you know, he, he and Russell had sort of been rotating as the 6-7 guy, the third shot pairing guy on the left side. So, 
some of the challenges I think with the, with the defense right now, I do think can be chalked up to inexperience. I'm going to talk to Kelly Rudy about this in the next half hour of the show. I think this is more of a blip. Now, I'm not saying that even when healthy, there there are con- some concerns, because there are. But I, I think once they get these guys back, I do think that's going to help, and, and it will allow the Oilers to defend a little better. So I'll go with that as a blip. And then the fourth point I want to get to, and, and this sort of perhaps ties into my depth scoring, but I'll, I'll tie it into the entire roster, and I'm going to call it grinding, or maybe you can just call it checking, or maybe you can call it um, that that physical presence. And I think this is another thing the Oilers have been searching for for a while. I think they have players who can bring it, but have not brought it consistently. And I look at some of the games the Oilers have struggled in this season. Certainly, I mean, the, the two games to me in which the Oilers were beaten the most soundly were the loss to Los Angeles on Sunday and the loss to Dallas back on, I think it was November 23rd or 24th, where they really didn't generate much. Teams were kind of able to impose their will on the game. And if the Oilers' stars didn't generate anything, they they didn't have the muscle and or the tenacity to have some other players pull themselves back into the game. I'm going to put this as an ongoing concern because I think it plagued the Oilers last year, and I think if and when they get to the postseason, it's going to be something that they need. So those are kind of my four points, two blips, two concerns, 780-496-0063 if you want to chime in. Kelly Rudy's coming up. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.